Thanks to Harry's for supporting Industry Focus. This holiday, give Harry's and give handsome. Get your holiday shopping done early and take advantage of free shipping. To get a limited edition holiday shave set while supplies last, go to harrys.com forward slash fall right now. Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today we're talking energy and industrials. It's Thursday the 14th of December and we're going to be discussing alternative fuel sources. Joining me on Skype is senior Motley Fool contributor Jason Hall. Jason, thank you for coming on the show today. Hi Sarah, how are you? I'm good. Uh, you're, uh, you're at home with a poorly uh, a sick child. Yeah, it's, I'm sorry. it's not fun with a, with a 10-month-old running a fever. Oh no. My son's, he's... He's tough, though. He's one of those kids that, you know, he tries to ignore the fact that he's sick. And he just <laughs> kind of plays through it. So uh, he's he's doing pretty good, though. He's, he's pulling out of it. He's good. Well, good. We, we hope he does. Um, Thank you. So as I said, today, we're going to be talking about alternative fuels, which was actually Jason's uh, idea. And we spent a lot of time on this show talking about oil and gas and conventional fuels. Um, so, yeah, Jason suggested that we actually spend some time discussing alternatives. So, Jason, what piqued your interest generally around alternatives? So the, the, it, it actually, for me, it goes back to um, a number of years ago when David Gardner, one of our leaders and founders of mm-hmm. Molly Fool, recommended um, a company called Clean Energy Fuels in the stock advisor uh, service oh, maybe five years ago. It's been, it's been a number of years ago. And to be blunt, the stock has performed spectacularly <laughs> terribly. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> lost, you know, over 90% of its value from the peak. Um, it's gone horribly, but the, 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 there's some really interesting things that have happened in the, in the business. And at the same time, we've seen things like the, the, you know, the advent of the EV as Tesla has established mm-hmm. a clear market where in, and demonstrated demand, technology's improved. There's some things that have happened on the industrial side. I just got really, really interested in it. I've been to a number of, of industry uh, conventions. I've met, uh, executives for a handful of companies. Uh, it's a really exciting dynamic space that I don't think really on the industrial side for the commercial um, uh, and heavy transit really gets enough. Before this this Tesla semi was released, mm-hmm. there was very, very little that you would see in the popular press about what's happening on the industrial side of transportation. So Yeah, absolutely. And that's really where the, the big lever is uh, to pull is absolutely. is absolutely in that space. Um, so the US has relied on gasoline for over 100 years, diesel for over 60 years. Um, the country is trying to reduce its reliance on volatile crude sources, and we've all seen over the past few years just how volatile they can be, um, and focus on becoming energy independent, which means considering some of these alternative fuels. So before we get going, I'm going to do a brief primer, <laughs> I say brief, uh, on alternative fuels. Um, so feel free to, if I miss anything or whatever, then feel feel free to just interrupt me. Um, sure. So the, the ones we're touching on today are the big ones. So biofuels, natural gas, electric, um, and hydrogen. Uh, biofuels or biodiesel, for the sake of our discussion, is a renewable, biodegradable fuel manufactured from vegetable oils, animal fats, or recycled grease in a po- process called esterification. I hope I pronounced that right, but I doubt that I Perfect. did. Um, Perfect. <laughs> it, bur- it burns more cleanly than diesel. And the, the kind of key factor with this is that it can be used in current diesel vehicles. Um, right. 
Natural gas, uh, which we discussed fairly recently on the show, I think Taylor and I talked about it uh, on the 16th of November, uh, is domestically abundant now, thank you to the advances in fracking. Um, It's predominantly methane and is an odorless gaseous mixture of hydrocarbons. Um, It currently accounts for 30% of energy used in the US, but only 0.2% of vehicles use natural gas for transport. So as we conventionally know, it is not renewable. However, there is renewable natural gas called biomethane, which is produced from organic materials. And there are two forms of natural gas relevant to the discussion around transport fuels, CNG, compressed natural gas, and LNG, liquefied natural gas. Uh, Electric is what gets most of the headlines, thanks to to Elon Musk, who uh, we'll be talking about later. But electric is considered an alternative fuel under the Energy Policy Act. Plug-in electric vehicles store energy in batteries and produce no tailpipe emissions. And finally, hydrogen, uh, hydrogen hydrogen-powered fuel cell electric vehicles. Uh, Hydrogen is abundant in our environment, in water and hydrocarbons. Fuel cells are coupled with an electric motor, making it two to three times more efficient than an internal combustion engine. So although extracting hydrogen from the environment can be harmful, uh, when it's in operation, it's far, far cleaner than conventional gasoline. Um, So there's a ton. Hopefully you're still with us because <laughs> I realized that was a lot. But uh, there are a ton of different options and many potential applications. So putting a number on the opportunity is, is pretty tough. But as you said, Jason, uh, for the purpose of this discussion, we're going to be talking about commercial and heavy transport, which is often overlooked. Um, right. I mean, it's often overlooked by investors from every angle. But uh, the trucking industry is huge. It's a $700 billion business. Um, and according to the Federal Highway Administration, a Class 8 truck averages about 26 times the annual fuel usage of a car. So it's huge, low-hanging fruit. Um, right. Jason, when we are prepping for the show, you suggested uh, kind of starting looking at Cummins, the diesel engine manufacturer. Um what are they doing in the space that's kind of interested you? Well, let me um, before we talk about Cummins, let me just kind of preface mm-hmm. um, for for reference some 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 numbers that kind of help explain what what makes the industrial transport, the heavy transport sector, kind of more of that low hanging fruit. Yep. So, if you think about fuel consumption, um, uh, your daily driver cars, automobiles consume around 140, 150 billion gallons per year in wow. uh, in North America. Um, heavy duty, medium duty transit consumes around 50 billion uh, <laughs> gallons a year. So, right. So these are pretty massive markets. So now here's the thing. So you, you hear those numbers like, well, well, the heavy transit's like a third the size of the, you know, the private uh, transit market. So, but here's the thing. There, there are, you know, tens and tens and tens of millions of, of automobiles um, with tens and tens and tens of millions of individual buyers mm-hmm. who are often buying a car based on emotional and personal decisions, right? Now, when it comes to heavy transit, for example, Class A trucks, which you mentioned, which is a massive uh, portion of that 50 billion gallon uh, consumption, there are around two and a half million of those trucks. And they're, it's a very small group of buyers that are making business-based return on investment generally decisions mm-hmm. um, when they're when they're making those decisions uh, about what they buy. So that's what makes them the low hanging fruit if there is some type of financial return for some of these for some of these different kinds of fuels. So now that I've said that, we'll circle back to Cummins, kind of where Cummins comes into play. Cummins is the big player in diesel engines. They have been for a very, very long time. They have somewhere between a quarter and a third of the diesel engine market in the heavy duty trucks, 
Um, they've, they've, they've actually started losing some market share over the past few years um, as, as some of the some of their bigger customers who think about a company like Packar, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, Peterbilt um, and Kenworth Heavy Trucks. They've got, you know, uh, almost 30 uh, percent of the North American truck market. They've started putting more emphasis on their OEM engines. So they've you know, they've sold less Cummins engines, uh, diesel engines in their trucks. So one of the things that Cummins has done uh, a number of years ago, they partnered with Westport Fuel Systems, a company we're going to talk about, uh, and have become the leader in natural gas engines. Mm-hmm. And essentially what it is, is it's a Cummins diesel engine um, that has some Westport uh, injection technology and also um, some some hardened parts of the engine due to the different nature of the way natural gas combusts. Um, so the key thing with Cummins is really that they're, they're such a leader in, in the industry um, and in a big part because of their focus on emission systems um, because emissions, uh, not just in North America, even more so in Europe, become such an issue with diesel engines. If you go back to the 80s and uh, the early 90s with acid rain from the particulates, uh, diesel and coal are a big source of, of those pollutants. And uh, Cummins has been a real leader in helping remove those particulates. Um, so the other thing that's really exciting about about Cummins is Cummins is um, developing uh, electric fuel trains. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about you know one, one of the biggest producers of diesel engines in the world, and you know they've acknowledged their their CEO has acknowledged that the electric powertrains are, are going to be the future. Uh, the question is how long is the future going to be from now and Cummins management's of the impression that it's going to be a number of years before the technology really gets to a point where it's really feasible to supplant um, diesel or natural gas or, or any of these other you know, liquid fuel, um, carbon fuel sources, uh, just in terms of getting enough fuel in the vehicle to be practical. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, would, I would agree with that, too. Um, I think the CEO comments in his in the previous quarter's presentation, he said um, that the future would require a broad portfolio of power solutions. In this, he includes mm-hmm. diesel, powertrain, natural gas, hybrid electric, battery electric, and fuel cell electric. So, yeah, as you said, um, they're laser focused on that, and it's paying off for them, kind of, too, because they've got their stock is up. Uh, I think 24% this year. They've had record sales last quarter, record uh, earnings per share. So um, they're doing very well. And I actually had the pleasure of visiting the Columbus engine plant um, as part of a Lean Six Sigma training exercise uh, a few years ago. And I have to say they have incredibly slick operations. So if anybody can do it, I think that they can. And they may actually give Tesla a run for their money considering how uh, well refined they have their manufacturing processes now. Here's my here's my question. Um, I'm going to be the devil's advocate a little bit here mm-hmm. with Cummins. Um, one, one of the things that has been um, a huge part of Cummins' success uh, is these engines require a significant amount of regular routine maintenance. Um, Cummins makes a pretty significant amount of money selling parts, uh, accessories, um, consumable things that have to be replaced in these in these engines on an ongoing basis. Um, one of the major benefits, uh, especially for commercial operators with uh, moving to electric, is the major reductions in ma- maintenance mm-hmm. um, and, and that sort of thing because you remove the heat, you remove all these moving parts. My question is when the shift happens, um, and I mean, again, we're looking you know, years down the road, um, how is Cummins going to be able to replace that recurring revenue 
um, that they stand to lose when their diesel engine sales begin to start start getting replaced with with EVs. I don't have an answer for that, um, but Cummins is definitely one of the companies I would not count out. Yeah. Um, as as I, you know, I think I think you can unequivocally say they're, they 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 are almost certain uh, to be a leader in mm-hmm. um, in electric powertrains. No, that, there's, that's. There's, that's a great question. I mean, their Cummins, uh, Westport, I know we're going to talk about Westport, but their joint mm-hmm. venture, they said the sales were up 8% in the first half of 2017, but it, that was on modest engine sale growth um, and right. a strong aftermarket. So I don't know I don't know how they're working this system. It's, it's an, an incredibly valid question. And it's something that um, kind of a lot of industries in our, in, in our uh, sector are facing, uh, airlines right. too. The, they're mm-hmm. under a lot of pressure to reduce maintenance for the engines to become more efficient. But as part of this means that they're losing a lot of the back end uh, revenue. So, yes, right. definitely something to keep our eye on um, and see how they structure those deals going forward. Well, it's kind of a double edged sword, too, because not not only is that recurring revenue important because it's it's incremental profit, but it also helps kind of smooth out the overall business because um, we're talking about incredibly cyclical industries, you know, um, class eight truck sales uh, can, you know, one year, a, a great year is, you know, 275, 280,000 uh, truck sales in North America. Um, that can fall to, you know, 185,000 at the, at the, at the valley, at the, mm-hmm. at the trough. So we're talking a massive shift in, in, um, in, in sales over a two or three or four year period. So losing that recurring revenue um, has other impacts on, on, on the company as well, besides just the income. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, so as we mentioned, Westport, uh, Westport, sorry, uh, Westport Fuel Systems, um, as you said, is in a joint venture with Cummins. Their stock mm-hmm. is up 155% year to date, and, and that's mostly due to their kind of involvement in the natural gas um, industry. They're a natural gas injection systems manufacturer, and as we've talked about before, natural gas is just kind of having a renaissance. Right. So, so you know, the good news is the stock is is well up. The bad news is that it's well up from a, a point where there there were legitimate concerns about the company's uh, financial future. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be to be frank, earlier this year, um, uh, it's another another stock that um, um, that you know we're talking about a stock that was you know over fifty dollars a share at its peak at the you know if, if we go back five years ago. At kind of the mania around natural gas, when mm-hmm. oil was $100 a barrel, diesel prices were four bucks plus a gallon. Um, but the short version of what's happened with Westport is um, it's it's a company with great potential, with some really innovative technology, especially its HPDI high pressure direct injection technology that really gets natural gas to diesel like performance mm-hmm. and diesel like uh, fuel economy. Uh, so they, they have this great technology, and the, I think one of the things the market's really excited about is um, CEO Nancy Gogarty um, over the past couple of years has done a really good job of, of driving a lot of costs out of the business, selling off some, some assets that are really not part of the core business, and kind of refocusing as they're moving towards taking HPDI to commercial manufacturing. Um, Westport, beyond their, their, their joint venture with Cummins, which has been actively selling natural gas engines for a decade and is the leader. Um, you, you look at industries like um, uh, solid waste trucks, so trash trucks that you know come by and pick up your trash can once a week, um, transit buses, um, uh, a few other um, industries like that. They're the absolute leader. I mean, you're, you're talking, you know, those are those are industries that more than half of the 
vehicles sold every year have natural gas engines, and the majority of them are Cummins Westport engines. So mm -hmm. they have a really strong market share there. Um, but again, the, the HPDI is, the, is, is kind of the big, that's the big one. And they're partnered with Delphi Automotive, who is an industry leader in um, inject manufacturing injectors. So they, they have a really big, strong, multi-billion dollar partner um, in their corner that they're going to be manufacturing HPDI with. And so here's, here's, here's what makes this really exciting. The, it's HPDI 2.0, so it's the second second iteration of HPDI, uh, and the big change is 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 pretty huge in that this these systems are designed for the engine manufacturer, so a, a Cummins, a Packard, Freightliner, Volvo, uh, for these companies to be able to take these injectors and actually put the, put it in their own assembly line mm -hmm. and 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 do the and do the the actual completion of the natural gas engine in their factory. Uh, HPDI-1 uh, was a Cummins engine that Westport transported all the way to its facility, incomplete, finished the manufacturing, and then shipped it to the, to the truck maker to put it in, in, its, in its truck. So, you know, significantly higher costs, big bottleneck and, and throughput. Um, so for the OEMs to have that in their, in their factory lines significantly reduces the cost, increases, increases the throughput. Um, Increases the potential for profit for the for the for the OEMs. So there's a lot of benefit there. Mm -hmm. um, the the concern obviously is is control. So the big question right now is what is the adoption going to look like? What is the demand going to be uh, from the users from the end users of these trucks? And we're not going to know that um, for for another another several months uh, before we really see you know commercial sales of this product. Yeah, it will be interesting. I think Volvo has said that the tech gives them about 15% better energy efficiency uh, than dedicated natural gas. Um, so, and, and now, now they're a tier one supplier, as you said, to a lot of these heavy vehicle manufacturers. Um, right, right. So, yeah, that will definitely play That's out. That's a for big them. deal. Mm -hmm. As you mentioned, though, their stock were up at 50% at its heights. It's now down to $3. So, it's really a small cap. Um, mm -hmm. Volatile yep. company uh, that, you know, uh, investors need to be aware of. Um, right. Still not still not profitable. Mm -hmm. um, still not um, profitable on a, has been profitable on a cash flows basis uh, at times, um, but it's it's still kind of right on the cusp of of that. Yeah. Well. Well, I was just going to kind of steer us towards um, electric, but before we talk more, I want to thank Harry's for supporting our podcast. I really like the story behind Harry's razors. Two guys basically got sick of paying so much for razors, so they started Harry's. They bought their own blade factory and began selling blades online for literally half the price razors usually sell for at the drugstore. My husband is a big fan of Harry's, saying offers the most comfortable shave, and the shave gel is wonderful. I have been known to steal some for myself. Finding a gift for a guy can sometimes feel impossible, so if you're struggling, as I am, to find the perfect gift for the gentleman in your life, give them something that is thoughtful but also practical. Try Harry's limited edition shaving sets. The sets come with German-engineered five-blade cartridges, foaming gel that is amazing, special limited edition winter chrome and emerald green handles, and personalize it all with an engraving. I have to say that the box that it comes with really makes it special. The set starts at just $10, and we've partnered with Harry's to give you $5 off your order when you go to harrys.com forward slash fool. This offer is only available for the holidays. So this holiday, give Harry's and give handsome. Get your holiday shopping done early and take advantage of free shipping. To get a limited edition holiday shave set while supplies last, go to harrys.com forward slash fools right now. That's harrys.com forward slash fool. So um, 
to, to circle back then, something that we're hearing more and more about is electric. Um, countries like the UK and France have said they're going to ban the sale of petrol and diesel engines by 2040. Uh, so there's a huge imp- impetus on OEMs, um, which is original equipment manufacturers, to find alternatives. There is a lot of talk about electric. General Motors has, her- has heralded an all-electric future. And of course, Tesla uh, is the big player in the space. Now most of this discussion has been focused on personal vehicles. But as we mentioned at the start of the show, there's a lot of uh, low-hanging fruit in commercial and heavy goods transport. Tesla recently made headlines for unveiling its semi uh, that with two models of the semi-truck, either 300 or 500 mile range. Apparently, it does not to 60 and 20 seconds. I'm not sure what variables <laughs> that's taking into account, but, <laughs> but I don't know. Um, the design is pretty clever, too, because it uses a lot of parts that are already in manufacture. I think the four motors that it uses are the same as what it uses on current models um, of right. its personal ve- vehicles, which I think is smart given you know the issues that they're having with manufacturing uh, production hell, as as Musk calls it. <laughs> um, but what do you reckon, Jason? Do you think this is do you think this is viable? It's apparently got orders from Walmart, AB InBev, and Pepsi already. But do you think that's more of a publicity stunt? Um, you know, I think it's it's a little, it's it's like most of these things. It's never just one thing or the other, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's it's it's clear for anybody that saw the 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 launch. Um, Musk wasn't honestly was not talking to truck drivers. He yeah. was not talking to anybody that makes a living driving a truck because the things he was talking about are not, frankly, they're not the things that drivers are really focused on. They're things that get investors excited. I mean, that, that's that's the reality. He's talking about acceleration. Truckers are a lot more concerned about braking. Um, so <laughs> yeah, um, he's talking about giant LED monitors. Truckers want to know where the mirrors are. So mm-hmm. so there's a there are a, a tremendous amount of questions that are going to have to be answered um, about about the Tesla product. Now, let me let me uh, and full disclosure, I'm a Tesla investor. I'm a Tesla shareholder. Um, I've done incredibly well. Um, I intend to hold uh, my my Tesla investment. I've, I've learned you don't ever count Elon Musk out. But I think there's a few things that we have to talk about. Um, and what I'd like to do is combine the electric and the hydrogen together because we're talking about electric drivetrains with both. The only difference is that with uh, full electric, you have batteries. And with hydrogen, hydrogen is the is the energy source. Mm-hmm. So um, so I think we can kind of bundle those two together. And so here's the thing. The difference when you start talking about um, a, a semi-truck uh, versus a car um, is the physics get completely different in terms of, of, of the energy storage. So making a car go two to 300 miles um, is one thing, you know, a 4,000, 4,500 pound car. When you start talking about a tractor trailer, uh, you're talking about an 80,000 pound vehicle from bumper to bumper, a fully loaded. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there, there's a real, everything, everything that I've read and I've studied this industry for a long time, um, the, the physics at this point do not support being able to get 500 mile range with the kind of payload, uh, the actual amount of goods that a class A truck would carry today. Yeah. The, 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 the physics just don't support it right now. So, you know, at this point, Tesla's talking about having a vehicle to market, you know, in a couple of years. Um, I can't remember a single time that Tesla has ever met its own announced goal for launching a vehicle. They're typically a year to two years late to market. And I think that's going to be the case again. I, I just, I think that they've set an incredibly aggressive market. And I think the technology is not going to be there to, to accomplish these, the, the, the range goals that they've, that they've put out there with these vehicles. 
um, especially at the prices that they're talking about. So I think it's going to be another typical uh, Elon Musk overpromise, underdeliver to the market, but also bring an incredibly innovative, super capable product to market when it does come to market a little bit later than we all expect. Uh, so the other part of it too is the industry uh, with with trucking is divided up into very different kinds of applications, and all of the companies that have ordered products. Um, are, are they've ordered the, the, the Tesla Semi, um, are ideal, like super easy, what they call line haul stuff, where they take a load, they run it 100 miles, 200 miles down the road to another point, they drop it, they turn around, they go mm -hmm. back, they take another load, and they, they go back the other way. So, so that's great for, for organizations that have those kinds of needs. So you think about um, a Walmart or um, you know, some of these other companies that have, have made these big orders um, that they're going from point A to point B. The problem is that 90% of the, the trucking market um, is, is smaller independent drivers that they have to get every bit, bit of work that they can and they never know where they're going to be going next week. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking about an electric powertrain where you, even if you can go 500 miles, uh, these are vehicles that sometimes can go over a thousand miles before refueling. Yeah. And, and the access, sorry. No, I was just going to say the infrastructure really isn't there to support them right now, even if they wanted right. to do that. And frankly, you know, the, the recharge time, uh, which I know Elon Musk mentioned, but I think 30 minute break for truckers is probably too much, too. Uh, you know, not necessarily because, again, because they can carry so much fuel when these guys are stopping. They are often stopping for uh, a pretty long period mm -hmm. of time, but they're but they're you know, they're not going to grab a soda and, and, and hang out They're They're going around. They're checking their vehicle. They're checking air pressure and tires. Um, they're doing safety inspections. Uh, they're doing other things, right, to make sure that their vehicle is still safe for operation. Because um, the reality is that the fines get pretty, pretty extensive if there yeah. is a problem and they get stopped. So, so I, I don't. Th there is some, especially with some of the shorter route stuff, where they might have to, you know, stop for fuel, um, where they have to turn it around quick. Uh, but the infrastructure is is a is a real concern. Um, but the, the, again, the bigger issue, is, as much as that's an issue, the bigger issue is how much weight are they going to have to add for batteries and how much weight is that going to take away from, from, from actually being able to move goods because they make their money based on how much goods they move. Mm -hmm. um, if they can't put as much goods in the trailer because of weight restrictions, that's a, that's a real issue. Yeah. So again, that's not, that's not an issue for companies – uh, like the, the the companies that have all signed up, they control every every end of of what's happening going on the truck and coming off the truck. So, but that's not how most of the trucking industry works. So that's mm -hmm. what makes this less of a concern. You pointed me in the direction when we were prepping for the show uh, of Nicola. Is that mm -hmm. is that the right Nicola. pronunciation? Nicola. Nicola. Sorry. Yeah. So um, you have Nicola and you have Tesla. Mm -hmm. Nicola Tesla. Yeah, I see. I see what they horrible. did. Horrible. <laughs> it's horrible, but it is what we have. Uh, so it's a private so. company um, who is doing exactly what you said about introducing hydrogen um, mm -hmm. and and uh, electric and is actually potentially going to have incredible results. Uh, a range of up to 1,200 miles uh, was what I saw superficially. Right. And well, it, because with hydrogen, uh, you can get, like with diesel or natural gas, you can get more of the actual fuel onto the vehicle, right? Mm -hmm. um, but so again, the the issue there is is current infrastructure. Um, it's it's just you know it's not in place. Uh, Nikola has a really interesting model because their their you know the, their idea is to for a for a fixed payment supply the vehicle supply um, a certain amount of hydrogen 
for a certain amount of miles. So there's there's a, re- a lot of interest uh, in that and a lot of potential value. Um, but I think one of the issues that that Nikola um, and and Tesla at this point would deal with is because of the limitations on access to fuel and the higher sticker prices of their vehicle. Um, it's that's a limiting factor for the again for the independence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what so what either of these technologies to become established is going to require is what we've seen already with Tesla, where we've seen some of the large shippers, some of the the, the big retailers, the big trucking companies, um, have signed up for significant orders. So if if those companies that kind of have the financial clout to support enough trucks that'll pay for infrastructure to get built in places get involved, that's what will seed the market so that then the small independents can get in. And that's when you're going to see a major disruption. Okay. It could be a decade before that happens. But mm-hmm. that's that's what drives it to, to create the situation where you can see full disruption of the industry. Absolutely. And and I think that that is kind of the timeline horizon that we're looking at is uh, that we might just see more electric adoption in cities such as, you know, London, where there's congestion charge fees and all those kind of things that make it really prudent to use electric. Uh, right. But but on a, on a mass scale, you're talking kind of between 10 to 20 years um, in the US. And then in some na- in some regions, you're talking Africa and South America, you may leapfrog a lot of diesel with um, some of these technologies. So it's really an interesting space to keep your eye on. So, Jason, thank you so much for uh, suggesting it for the show. Do you have any other points for us? I just the one thing I do want to I want to kind of leave with is circling back to natural gas. I think natural gas still has a great window of opportunity because it's incredibly um, incredibly available. There's a pretty significant infrastructure with our natural gas pipeline already. It's all, even as diesel prices fell and fell and fell and fell, natural gas has remained cheaper. Mm-hmm. So I think people are still kind of sleeping on it. Um, so you look at clean energy fuels. You look at Westport fuel systems. Um, I really suggest that uh, the listeners pay close attention because I think we're looking at really a decade window of opportunity where those companies can continue to grow and could be you know, great investments over the next five to 10 years. I think investors should not sleep on those two companies. Awesome. That's a very good ending point. So uh, that's it from us today. If you would like to get in touch, please feel free to email us at industryfocus at full.com or tweet us at Twitter at MF Industry Focus. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. For Jason, I'm Sarah Priestley. Thanks for listening and Fool on.